0: you. I always pray this week, every year, for those of us not on fall break. So for those of you holding down the fort working, here's to you. Let to go. I know that feeling, right? Some of you who have maybe have been to um, Rome, the Eternal City, kind of mothership of the Catholic Church, some of you may know that in Rome uh, they have over 2,000 fountains in that one city, 2,000 fountains. And by the way, you can drink out of all of them. It's all potable water, it's natural spring water. So if you go up to a fountain, you can actually drink it. And um, probably the most famous fountain in the world is there. What is that? Trevi Fountain, right? Built and completed at least in the year 1762. And, you know, it's pretty amazing if you know anything about Rome and ancient Rome that the Romans, as you know, put so much importance on the roads and the water. The aqueduct system all around the Roman Empire took about more or less 500 years to complete. To this day, the Trevi Fountain has the, the original aqueduct system built by the Romans, what's called the aqueduct Virgo, V-I-R-G-O. So they understood the importance of water. You know, many of us, we don't think about water. Do you know that today in our own time with eight billion people on the planet, one-third of them still do not have access to water? one-third, even today. But the Romans really understood it and, in fact, according to the Romans, it was treasure, it was treasure, water. But we, didn't, we, didn't, we don't really think about it today and the fact that, that many of us, most of us, we have multiple faucets and showers in our house where we can drink out of it, we don't even think about it. If you pardon the analogy, gentlemen, can I talk to the men here today? I just want to talk to the men this morning, if you don't mind me, gentlemen, as a man. It's a poor analogy, but one thing that is often taken for granted or forgotten about in our own culture, a lot like water, is the importance of Christian masculinity, okay? In other words, what what does it mean to be a Christian man today? Not just for you, brothers, but for your kids. Oh, and by the way, your daughters will be looking for someone possibly a lot like what they know as a Christian man. The day may come in the near future, gentlemen, when you're walking your daughter down this aisle and giving your daughter's hand to a man who's standing right here. So it's worth asking this question, brothers, what does it mean to be a Christian man? My humble opinion, Christian masculinity is kind of defined in this way, is that in times of crisis, brothers, you and I steady the ship, okay? You are the rudder you're the sales. You may not feel like it, and maybe internally you're thinking, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how we're going to get through this. Okay, trust me, priests feel the same way, but like it or not, okay, you are the one they're going to look to. That's how it is, gentlemen. So you and I need to be that rudder for them, even if you're making it up as you, as you go. Trust me, another feeling. That's what we are. Anybody ever read the book of Job? Yeah? Anybody heard of the Bible? (laughs) Yeah? Okay. So, okay, we've heard of the Bible. That's good. So um, the book of Job is in the Old or New Testament? Old. Okay. That's good. It's in (laughs) Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay? It's like two lungs breathing together. So we're in the old lung, the Old Testament here. So the book of Job, if you've never read it, It's a really amazing story. By the way, Job, it was believed, lived about 2,000 years before Christ in what would be considered modern-day Saudi Arabia. So he was the Bill Gates of his time, had everything, everything. Had 10 children, which was a sign of wealth, lots of flocks, lots of land. It's very popular. And then lost it all overnight, lost it all. Sadly, the roof fell in, killing his family, his flocks were stolen, plague came, as if this weren't bad enough. He had these huge uh, boils on his body, so he lost everything, literally overnight, everything, okay? And so even his own family would come to him and said, dude, what on earth did you do to make God mad? Clearly, you did something, Job. What'd you do, man? And he said, very simply, is he lost everything. He didn't curse God. You know what he said? <laughs> he said, the Lord is given. The Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's not what I would have said. He's just trust in Jesus. He's like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't know why this is happening, I have no idea. But you know what? God's going to see me through it. And God was so impressed with that attitude that on the other side of it he received ten times more than he had before and now he's got the wisdom to appreciate what he's got. That's the real treasure. He now appreciates it more because I've been to hell and back. Gentlemen, that's, that's where we are called to be, brothers. Okay, you and I need to be Job for the family. We need to be the rudder. Don't think that Job was just some kind of saint, that he, he didn't have these struggles, Man, he did. Okay, we need to be the rudder. That's what a Christian man needs to be. Anybody here ever uh, heard of, performance improv, theater improv, if you've never heard of this, uh, we used to do this when I was in school in Vermont. If you're not familiar with performance improv, this is what it is. They take a group of actors and they put them on a stage for about half an hour with no lines. There's nothing rehearsed. They give them one theme or one word and they say, go to it. And they make it up. They just make it up. So a lot of the actors that we know, they did this as practice. Dan Aykroyd, Steve Carell, Tina Fey, um, Chris Farley, they all did this to practice being in front of people and to practice thinking on their feet, right? I mean, it goes without saying, I think most of us, we would rather walk on hot coals than stand in front of somebody and do that. So, you know, you go to any Catholic church in the world and they have a hard time getting people to read at mass. So what I told, I told our staff, I said, we're just going to print out a long list of every parishioner and just go through them at random and pick them and assign them to read at mass. Say, oh, congratulations, you're reading at the mass. I mean, most of us would just de- detest this, right? Gentlemen, when we grow as men, it's a little bit like, performance improv or reading at mass, we have to push need to read at mass. I'm not asking you to do performance improv. What I am asking you to do, brothers, is push you're comfortable with. All right? Two opportunities for you, gentlemen. This Tuesday night, we have our patio night. If you want to come and spend some time, all right? I love it. It's wonderful. Come and join us. Also, when you leave today, somebody's going to give you a little flyer. Gentlemen, this is on fellowship, faith, service in the community. Okay, maybe you think, Father, like, I, don't, I don't really do that. Well, here's the thing. You know what happens if we don't push our comfort zone, brothers? Nothing. Nothing happens. So in 20 years, you and I are still going to be in the same place spiritually. They call it hitting the stained glass ceiling of your faith, brothers. Trust me, we're busy. Priests are busy. We all have things to do. But if something's a priority, we will make it a priority. If that is watching ESPN or working out or whatever it is, we're going to make it a priority, right? That's how we grow. I'll close with this. You know, every September, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but every September I always pray for the families of the victims who lost people in September 11th attacks in New York. And one of the men who died, one of the people that died that day was a man named Dan Trant, T-R-A-N-T. He was a former NBA star. The Boston Celtics. He was only 40 years old when he died on September 11th in North Tower. So Dan Trant retired from the NBA and he was a bond salesman. Do you know that on September 11th over 200 people jumped from the towers? 200 people jumped from the towers. By the way, some of those people less than one hour beforehand, were sending emails and drinking coffee with their coworkers Dan Trant had several opportunities that day to get out of the building He stayed behind and he was last seen trying to talk somebody off the ledge from jumping 77 floors up 40 years old Gentlemen I share this with you for this reason, brothers, that you and I are to some extent called to have a little bit of Job or Dan Trant in each one of us. In other words, sacrificing for something bigger than you and I because that's how we become a rudder for these people that are looking to us. In essence, that's what we're called to, right there. That's what we're called to. And as you lead these people entrusted to your care with one hand, in the other hand, Jesus is holding on to you, saying, I got this, man. Stick with me.